welcome to A Shower of Roses. I'm Jenny, your host. On this podcast, we read together the readings for the upcoming Sunday Mass in the Roman Catholic Church, so that when you walk into Mass on Sunday, you feel enlightened and empowered with the knowledge of the Gospel that you need to have a meaningful and personal experience with Christ every week. I'm Catholic, but you certainly don't have to be to listen to this podcast. The Gospel is for anyone, anywhere, at any state of life. We are so glad you're here. Welcome to A Shower of Roses. I'm Jenna, your host. On this podcast, we read together the readings for the upcoming Sunday Mass in the Roman Catholic Church, so that when you walk into Mass on Sunday, you feel enlightened and empowered with the knowledge of the Gospel that you need to have a meaningful and personal experience with Christ each week. I'm Catholic, but you certainly don't have to be to listen to this podcast. The Gospel is for anyone, anywhere, at any state of life. We are so glad you're here. Welcome to the show, everyone. We're so happy you're here. Today we're going to be reading the readings for July 7th, 2019. That will be the 14th Sunday in Ordinary Time in the Roman Catholic Church. Our first reading this week is from the book of Isaiah, chapter 66, verses 10 to 14c. Thus says the Lord, Rejoice with Jerusalem, and be glad because of her. All you who love her, exult, exult with her. All you who are mourning over her. Oh, that you may suck fully of the milk of her comfort, that you may nurse with delight at her abundant breasts. For thus says the Lord, Lo, I will spread prosperity over Jerusalem like a river, and the wealth of the nations like an overflowing torrent. As nurslings you shall be carried in her arms, and fondled in her lap, as a mother comforts her child, so will I comfort you. In Jerusalem you shall find your comfort. When you see this, your heart shall rejoice, and your bodies flourish like the grass. The Lord's power shall be known to his servants. So this is the last chapter of the book of Isaiah. Isaiah is probably the most famous or if not one of the most famous prophets, um, and one of the longest books in the Bible, for sure, 66 chapters. Um, The book of Isaiah is broken down into three divisions, and scholars say that this section, chapters 56 to 66 of the book of Isaiah, it's called Third Isaiah, um, and the footnotes tell us that probably wasn't written by the same person that wrote the earlier portions of the book, um, but rather by writers, it says, imbued with the spirit of Isaiah, who continued his work. When I read this, I see it definitely as an exact continuation of Isaiah because of this beautiful language that Isaiah is famous for. He's really uh, fond of using very vivid uh, imagery in his in his writing and in his oracles. So Isaiah is addressing um, the Israelites, the people of Israel, who are at this point in exile. This is being written for the people living during the Babylonian exile. If you're not familiar with that, the Jews have been kicked out of Israel, their homeland, by the Babylonians. So they're not allowed to live in the land that was promised to them by God. You know, think all the way back to 
Moses when when they the Israelites had to work and and walk for 40 years in the desert just to get to this land promised to them by God. And then for decades and decades and decades they are totally overrun by empire after empire. And so Isaiah is writing for this time period during the Babylonian exile. And a prophet's job during this time was to always give the people hope, hope that the exile would end, that they were going to be able to return eventually, and that God has not abandoned them or forsaken them. That's the biggest thing. You can imagine how easy it must feel to, to, to be in this state, to be kicked out of your homeland and to feel like God does not care or God has abandoned you. So the job of a prophet was to give the people that hope that God has not forgotten them. So that's what we see in this reading. Um, Isaiah compares Jerusalem to this loving mother that's going to take care of and comfort and nurse and just just care for her for her people. And the biggest message of this reading is certainly comfort. We see that word over and over. Like God just wants to comfort his people and let them and let them know that he understands their pain, right? When a child comes to their mother because they've been hurt, you know, the mother does not just brush that off. They, they, they hurt for their child. And that's how God feels in this reading. He, he feels that hurt that the Israelites are going through. And he promises them that, you know, be patient. There is an end to this trial and you will find that comfort. The second reading this week is from Paul's letter to the Galatians, chapter 6, verses 14 to 18. Brothers and sisters, may I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me, and I to the world. For neither does circumcision mean anything, nor does uncircumcision, but only a new creation. Peace and mercy be to all who follow this rule and to the Israel of God. From now on, let no one make troubles for me, for I bear the marks of Jesus on my body. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers and sisters. Amen. So you can tell from the ending of this passage that this is the end of Paul's letter to the Galatians. And an interesting fact about that is that um, this passage, verses 11 to 18 actually, the footnotes tell us that this was a postscript written in Paul's own hand. So if he had a scribe or like an assistant dictate the letter, you know, write it down as he was talking, he would pick it up and write the ending bit in his own handwriting. So that's really interesting. So first message of this passage, don't be arrogant, right? May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. So if I'm ever going to boast in anything, it's not going to be because of my own accomplishments or it's not going to be me bragging about myself. The only thing that we have the right to be bragging about is the fact that Christ has died and rose for us. That's something we can brag about. Other than that, Paul says there's no reason to brag. Paul's biggest thing, one of his biggest things is is his feelings about um, Gentiles becoming followers of Jesus. Um, at, the t- at the time, this very early church, they didn't call that Christianity um, because most people that followed Jesus still considered themselves Jewish. So they would just say that, you know, if you were a Jewish person that was now following Jesus, you would say, I'm a Jew who follows the way, 
capital W. That's how people knew that you were a follower of Jesus. So as the word of Jesus spreads, you know, the gospel spreads as the apostles are doing their job. They're not just reaching out to and reaching Jews. They're also reaching Gentiles. A Gentile is a non-Jew. So then there was this big debate. Well, do these Gentiles have to go through the Jewish customs first before they can become a follower of the way? Paul's answer was no. A Gentile should not have to be circumcised, should not have to follow temple and food laws like the kosher laws of of practicing Judaism. Paul said no. Um, Jesus doesn't care about that, right? For neither does circumcision mean anything, nor does uncircumcision. He's saying this does it doesn't matter when we're talking about salvation, okay? Now, Paul had people that disagreed with him. Um, Peter, for example, they had, you know, they had a meeting and a talk about this early on in the church, and Peter is convinced by Paul. Paul kind of changes Peter's mind about this, but this was not something that was black and white in the church for a long time in the very, very beginnings. This was something that was debated, but Paul feels very strongly about the fact that a Gentile can become a follower of the way, a follower of Christ, as long as they believe that Jesus Christ has saved them through grace and grace alone. That's Paul's big thing that he's going to put across here, and it's so important that that's the way that he ends his letter. The other really interesting thing about this passage is he says, from now on, let no one make troubles for me, for I bear the marks of Jesus on my body. Someone might read that and think that um, Paul has like this stigmata on his hands, Um, but that's not necessarily the case. Um, You know, we know Paul got a lot of hardship, uh, as you can read in Acts of the Apostles. He suffered physically for Christ. Uh, He was flogged, he was stoned, and you know, he will eventually be martyred. So he's gone through physical pain for Christ. So that's what he's talking about here. The marks of Jesus on his body are the scars of the physical abuse that he's gone through in the name of Jesus. The gospel passage for this week is Luke chapter 10, verses 1 to 12. And verses 17 to 20. At that time, the Lord appointed 72 others whom he sent ahead of him in pairs to every town and place he intended to visit. He said to them, the harvest is abundant, but the laborers are few. So ask the master of the harvest to send out laborers for his harvest. Go on your way. Behold, I am sending you like lambs among wolves. Carry no money bag, no sack, no sandals. And greet no one along the way. Into whatever house you enter, first say, Peace to this household. If a peaceful person lives there, your peace will rest on them. But if not, it will return to you. Stay in the same house and eat and drink what is offered to you, for the laborer deserves his payment. Do not move about from one house to another. Whatever town you enter and they welcome you, eat what is set before you, cure the sick in it, and say to them, The kingdom of God is at hand for you. Whatever town you enter and they do not receive you, go out into the streets and say, The dust of your town that clings to our feet, even that we shake off against you. Yet know this, the kingdom of God is at hand. I tell you, it will be more tolerable for Sodom on that day than for that town. 
The seventy-two returned rejoicing and said, Lord, even the demons are subject to us because of your name. Jesus says, I have observed Satan fall like lightning from the sky. Behold, I have given you the power to tread upon serpents and scorpions and upon the full force of the enemy, and nothing will harm you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice because the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice because your names are written in heaven. So, last week we talked about the mission of the twelve, the twelve apostles. In this passage, I feel like this is not a passage we hear very often. Jesus appoints 72 others. Who are these others? We don't know. We never hear about them. Really, other than this, we don't know their names, what they're about, their backgrounds. And yet there's 72 of them, not a small number. And Jesus is sending them to kind of be like... uh, to be like announcers or cheerleaders for what's coming. So he's sending them to the pl- to the places that he intends to visit. And his instructions are very specific. Carry no money bag, no sack, no sandals, and greet no one along the way. Sounds kind of severe and almost like he's being unfriendly, but the message Jesus is trying to get across is that this is so urgent that you don't have time for small talk. It's like when you're at work and you have several tasks to do. It's like you kind of wish that you you hope that you're not going to run into anyone because you don't really have time to make small talk, even though you would really like to. You got to get the thing done. That's what Jesus is saying here. And also no money bag, no sack, no sandals. Think about, you know, Israel. It's a desert and doing what Jesus is asking you to do without any sandals on. uh, That's no joke. That is no joke. Um, and having no money. This is more important than material possessions. You don't need any of that um, because the people there in these places that you're going to visit will take care of you. If they're, if they're good, kind people, they'll offer you a meal, perhaps a place to like take a nap, and you'll be taken care of. So the first thing you say when you walk into this house is peace. Peace be to this household. Shalom. Um, offer a deep peace, and if someone offers you peace back, then that is the ticket. You know it's a good house and a good place to be. And if not, then Jesus says, shake it off. Shake off the dust that clings to your feet. And and literally, I mean, that's what it means. Shake it off and don't let it bother you. And it's almost a way of saying, um, well, you know, like, forget you. We're moving on. That's, that's exactly what that phrase kind of is referring to. So then the 72 go out, they come back, and they the, the thing that's most surprising to them is they say, Lord, even the demons are subject to us because of your name. So this is really important, that even the demons acknowledge the name of Jesus and the power in that name. And because of the power of Jesus' name, the these 72 that go out, again, they're not even apostles. Jesus hasn't given them You know, Pentecost hasn't happened yet. They don't have the gift of the Holy Spirit. Yet just because of the name of Jesus, the demons uh, can't, can't, they can't stand up to that, um, which is pretty incredible. Then Jesus says this line, I have observed Satan fall like lightning from the sky. That's really vivid imagery from Jesus. That's kind of unlike anything that we hear anywhere else. But Luke's whole image here is that as the kingdom of God grows and becomes more powerful, Satan and his minions, his demons, become less powerful, and that Satan will fall. And then Jesus references here 
um, the book of Genesis, chapter 3, the, the story of the fall. Jesus gives these 72 the power to tread upon serpents, right? Go all the way back to Genesis when we hear that the woman will bring the Savior into the world and he will crush the head of the serpent. This is a total callback to that verse. And that these 72 have the authority to do that in the name of Jesus, right? The final line, don't rejoice because the spirits are subject to you, right? Don't get a big head about it. Uh, that goes perfectly in line with the second reading that we read from, from Paul. We have nothing to boast about for ourselves. So don't don't get all full of yourselves because so, these demons are falling. Um, because they're only falling at the name of Jesus. That is it for this week. Thank you so much for tuning in. Please be sure to subscribe to the show so that you never miss an episode. And it would also be awesome if you could give us a rating those ratings really help us get the message of the gospel out to as many people as possible. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at A Shower of Roses, and you can like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash A Shower of Roses podcast. We will see you back here next Wednesday. God bless you and have a great week.